This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 424, What's AI Got to Do With It? Good afternoon. It is Friday, and that means I'm Michael Rowe. But I am Michael Rowe every other day of the week, too. And this is time for GamesAtWork.biz with my friend and co-host, Michael Martin. Michael, how are you? Ah, just absolutely fabulous, Michael. And glad that we're taking advantage of a rainy day to talk about some hot IT topics for our show today. Yes, because we've got them. Oh, we do. They're very hot. So well, some some of them are hotter than others. So, um, yes. <laughs> starting off for this week, I have to share with you, Michael. Um, we didn't talk about it much in the in the show pre-show, but um, the first article. And if you were a supporter of this podcast for only fifty dollars a month, you would get the recordings of the pre-show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we have to hit. We've got to have at least four thousand contributors at that level before we'll uh, enable that. Or, or bonus feature. Yeah. Or, you know, paying contributors, Michael. Yes. So the first article of the bunch here deals with all of the news around lawsuits because, you know, lawsuits are always interesting and fun. And the CNN business article from this past Monday uh, gives some context behind the comedian Sarah Silverman who was alleging copyright infringement for large language models that had hoovered up a whole bunch of material, uh, including, as she's alleging, her content and material without her approval. And um, it's it's interesting the way that this is coming to the surface here. And, and I mentioned to you, in, at least in passing, that in my own family around the kitchen table, uh, yes. We had a we had a lively conversation about this spirited conversation spirited conversation <laughs> about this, um, mostly because of well whose fault is it that Sarah Silverman's books and or other material shows up in a large language model, right? That that was that was the argument that was being portrayed. Hmm. And so 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 let me let, let me ask a couple quick quick questions because yeah, yeah, popped into my brain immediately. Mm-hmm. One, uh, I assume by her books we mean ebooks that were published as ebooks with some level of DRM, or does she publish her ebooks with no DRM through PDF files? That's one question that comes to mind. Two, uh, video content that could be scraped. Uh, I'm wondering how that was published, if it was just general YouTube or like through uh, a DRM site like uh, HBO Max, right? Mm-hmm. But keep going, please. Yeah, so so uh, as our long-term listeners know, neither you nor I are attorneys. We've not been to law school. We're not practicing in the art. Um, did take the LSAT. You did. Yes, I did. Well, that's pretty cool. I did not know that. See, and and, and I'm married to a recovered attorney. Yeah, well, that's true, but that's that's a that's a different thing. She she's yes. not here with and us, pra- and she didn't 
practice in this area. So <laughs> yeah, so can't can't answer your questions. But the spirited conversation that we had was okay. Well, um, if if her material talking about Sarah Silverman were available to be scraped, hoovered, ingested, included, pick your favorite term, into a large language model, uh, and that was not something that she had expressly agreed to, consented to, was compensated for, had a right to refuse to, um, then she has at least a beef to be had going forward. Um, that that was that was my particular point of view. And the, the kitchen table conversation was, well, isn't the service that was serving up her material really the one that is at fault here. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's the case. That doesn't seem exactly, um, well, again, not an attorney, not don't an really attorney. know how to, <laughs> to go in that direction. And there are lots of different ways to think about this sort of thing. Hey, we're just a platform. Oh, we're publishing so, what so people that's a good want question. to publish, that's, right? But, that, but that, that drives a really good question. If uh, let's say she did an exclusive with one of those platforms, for a, a, a joke, let's, let's just say it's one joke, right? Sure. And she did an exclusive with that platform, and that platform hosted the joke as a piece of artwork, right? So not as text, but as a binary graphical image mm -hmm. with text written on it, okay? Yep. Uh, and that website had that prominently displayed on their front page, but the site itself had a all material copyrighted, all rights reserved statement within their standard page licensing. This gets really fun fast, doesn't it? There's a lot of unsettled, <laughs> unanswered questions. And the, this week has been a, a banner week for those that like to yes. watch yes, law, lawsuits get filed. Because, you know, we also had, what was it, 10 more, 10 or more years ago, when Google decided that they were going to go off and digitize all these books. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, and, and make there them actually available. Were lawsuits and make them available. Mm -hmm. There were lawsuits on that and the behavior of how you were able to access said books that were digitized. Right. So that's some part of a settlement, but that's read them like a book. And I guess it goes back into the other story, and I don't think we're going to get to the deep part of this one, but there's a whole story uh, about um, old video games that are abandoned, right? You know, Commodore 64 doesn't exist anymore, and there are tons of games written for that platform that you, you can't legally get anymore. Yes, you may be able to, you know, run them in an emulator if you're able to rip the ROM or, or type in the source code, but you can't legally do that. Right? Well, you would have to legally have a console. And you legally... cannot run it off on another machine. Legally, you cannot do that. I said you have a console, right? If you, ran, if you, had, an old Com if you and... had an old Commodore 64, you could run that yep. piece of software on that Commodore 64. Exactly. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So, right. so again, you got this whole thing of things that are abandoned. Who fights for them? And at the same time, the whole idea of an open and free internet and copyright that expires at a certain point in time that it then becomes in the public domain. And I think these are going to come together really hard in the whole area of, of large language models.
Yeah, yeah. Copyright issues as such are going to be extremely tricky because if you narrowly constrain copyright for certain uses and certain use cases on certain platforms or technologies, then in theory, so, you've got so, the Commodore so. 64 issue right there. Well, well, not only that. Let, let's say, let's say. Again, I love thinking about these, and we're not going to solve it, right? We're not, we're not yeah. attorneys. We don't even pretend to be ones. Uh, but l- l- let's say I host a blog and I have Creative Commons attribute, which says if you use any of my material, you must attribute it to me. That's the agreement, and you ingest that into a large language model. And the model using um, generative AI spits out a sentence that is verbatim from my website, but would not attribute me because it's the LLM and it just statistically generated that sentence based off of the corpus of data it consumed. Yeah, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna keep a lot of attorneys employed for a long while until those attorneys are replaced by generative AI. L- Law and Order LLM. <laughs> edition <laughs> well let's turn our our sites to something a little more cuddly um, yes and uh the the example here is an article from the verge around furby and um yes. the, the 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 tagline of this article is pretty darn funny that it was like uh that the uh what is it my kids love furby send help uh kids <laughs> love it parents are aghast um and the 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 really fun thing at least in my mind here is that we, we haven't seen the onslaught of toys supported yet by such large language models we had examples like teddy ruxpin and furby and other things like that already from the past but we can easily imagine something moving forward here really 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 quickly that will leverage generative ai and then you have a whole range of other interesting things there too. Like what if you ask your Furby to tell you a bedtime story? Um, well, is the bedtime story a legit story that they're allowed to tell you? What, what I love about this is this is not the, the smart old Furby. This is a dumb new Furby that only handles specific small range requests. So they've actually dumbed it down dramatically and removed a lot of the, what I would call AI and turned it more into a, a simple um, random number generator, right? Because it's it's like it has six or seven songs that it can do. It can't make up a song. Uh, it's got, you know, it'll react to certain sounds. It'll react to certain stimuli, but it's not the, you know, cameras in the eyes, listening all the time, uber Furby, Furby of the past. This is a dumb one. Uh, and And the kids are still enjoying it. <laughs> Well, and the parents are still hating it. <laughs> yeah, well, it makes noise. I mean, we had to do batteryectomies out of a lot of the toys that entered our house from uh, unsuspecting uh, well, friends giving gifts to our kids. Um, as, but as a small child, I did a, a squeakyectomy out of my teddy bear because mm. it had a little squeaky noise, and I found where that was, and I yanked it out. <laughs> But um, I, there, there are so many of the games that it does play that kids always love, right? Kids love yeah. noise and sounds and that they can control or sometimes that they can't, but it right. attracts their attention again. And uh, farts. Yeah, like, like that. <laughs> uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm expecting that we're going to see quote unquote smart toys 
showing up more and more frequently. And yeah, I, th- I think that's that's where we will head. Uh, and and this is, is is like I said, I think this is a great story because it's actually the the old smart Furby has been dumbed down for the modern audience right now. So, so it's kind of, you know, bucking the trend. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't imagine that's going to last long, right? No, you know? of course not. And you could buy a subscription then too, right? So what, yeah, what if you your Furby sell. turned into a learning thing or, mm-hmm. you know, there's old, always the, uh, something, mm, something, you know, mm-hmm. like the pack and play or, you know, that you could then say, well, I want the, the Furby. buy and pay and pay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a structure. <laughs> exactly. It starts off by teaching you about things and over time it learns from you and then it blackmails you after you turn 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his ears glow. Well, I'm not sure I like an ears glowing little thing, especially in the dark. All right. Anyway. Furby, there you go. So Furby. if you want to want to hear more about Furby, check it out. And uh, there's even like a TikTok video in there where you can get a sense of the songs it sings and, yeah. and even more. It does look fun. All right. Um, now switching to an an, uh, a, a, an item that doesn't have any screens at all was an article from Fast Company magazine that kind of grabbed my attention. Uh, with all the talk that we've had here about Vision Pro and AR and all those sorts of things, and and also taking at least a cursory look at the humane AI pin um, kind of capability that's coming forward. This article talks about how might a wearable that does not have a screen or project something in front of you allow you to do a whole heck of a lot more as an AR or AI assistant. And I can sense from you just looking at you that you're like, yeah, don't you right. love this audio podcast? So, 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 um, whenever I read an article that it has a very strong opinion on something, I, 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 I go back to my journalist school days, journalism school days, and try to figure out why. Well, this article is written by Jared Ficklin. Mm-hmm. who is a founding partner of the company that created the thing that you're talking about. And it's an article that's basically a six-minute commercial oh, for yeah. we were there before Apple and we're cool because we just do audio. Now, I do think it's a neat toy, right? Uh, and and it does address a lot of the concerns uh, and showcases another example of the one that we talked about about a month or so ago, uh, the, the, the little speaker in the guy's pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the TED talk and he's like, I can talk on the phone, it interacts and, and it ended with the joke about the candy bar. Like, I'm going to have this candy bar. Well, you shouldn't have it. It's too many calories, but I'm going to have it anyway. Right. Uh, well, and, and, and I think that's actually the second device, uh, that they show in here, right? This, this little Siri looking pocket device that he shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's the same company or not, but anyway, so the, the basic premise of this device is. It is leveraging uh, generative AI, uh, microphones, and a camera. It does have a camera built in, right? but it doesn't have a screen. So it can record whatever it wants. You just can't see it, <laughs> which makes people less upset around it because they don't see you looking at a screen with a camera attached to it, and they may not notice the camera. And it um, basically allows you uh, to talk to yourself and get information. Like you're looking forward and you and I walk up to each other at a conference and I go, hey, good to see you again. And the device could 
snap a picture of your face, do a look up on it, find out that you're Michael Martin, and that based off of that, go into my calendar and say, you last met him at That's Bean Traders. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and so it's from a from a product design perspective, I think this is really cool. And it does address some of the concerns people have with 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 um, AR devices or glasses, right? Um, the purpose of this article to me was, we've been here long. I'm going to sell my company and show you how cool we are. It is cool. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, the, the fact that they're combining it now with generative AI so that the interaction with the device is a much more natural uh, I think that's a good thing. I, I do worry still uh, when it comes to generative AI that, uh, and we've talked about this in the past, you know, the hallucinations, which is really just a bad statistical result, uh, that unless it can tell you, yes, that's Michael, you last saw him this according to your calendar, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, it would be interesting to see how they show trust in the data that they generate. In that conversation. Yeah. Well, uh, that and, and knowing when to switch off, right? I mean, yes. if, if you and I meet at Bean Traders to have a serious talk, you know, that that's a serious talk. And, you know, there's going to be a social emotional element of, okay, can you please take off all of your devices and cameras and listening equipment and everything and put them here in this Faraday bag. Faraday cage bag. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and now let's, let's talk, right? Let's, yeah. let's really talk. The cone of silence. Yeah, it's the cone of silence again, too. Yes. So I need I, that. I, 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 I see, I see where those are going to be challenging. Um, and I know both you and I, uh, we're, we're, we're not complete tinfoil hat wearing people when it comes to this sort of thing, but I, I know we've both taken major steps to ensure there aren't a ton of things listening when they shouldn't be listening or exactly. viewing what they shouldn't be viewing. Yep. Um, and in this world, uh, the, the article has a couple of really good points in it about, um, knowing the context of a thing. And then being able to work mm -hmm. with it is actually really, really, really good. Like Absolutely. the notion that a, a part arrives, which I had a part arrive to replace a, a, a knob on my outdoor gas grill. Um, if if my AI companion, helper, etc., knows that that's arrived because maybe it saw it arrive from the camera uh, at the doorstep, and when you went able, out and grabbed it, or yeah. when I went out to grab it, it's like, hey, you know, I can help you you know, install that properly or, or, or it would know because I picked it up, I opened it and what's the next logical thing I'm going to do. Wouldn't it be great to assist and make sure that that was easy well, to handle. Right. I, I, I love that. And I think it goes back and actually improves on the use case that you and I talked about. Mm -hmm. God, I hate, hate years ago, over a decade, over a decade ago. <laughs> um, right. Where, where you're training a new mechanic in a garage. Yeah. And you're providing them information on how to put this carburetor back in a car, right? Yeah. You know, something something like that. Uh, because even in that example, we were looking at some kind of screen overlay, which actually can get in the way, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because you are going to block some of the vision with that. Right. Even if it's semi-translucent. With this, where it's it's doing the, the visual interpretation in real time and converting that into information that it can talk to you about again 
I love the use cases in this, uh, and and I agree with so many of them. Um, I just, like I said, as soon as I saw it, it read kind of like an ad, and my my hackles went up immediately. <laughs> when when yeah, when it comes and it's authored by the person who is part of the company, that you could absolutely see that. Yeah, yeah. Not not that we uh, ever say that we came up with something a decade ago either, right? We no hardly do that. Well, n- not like we're selling anything. <laughs> well, you know, we're waiting for those 4,000 subscribers at 50 bucks yes. a pop, you know. Per Come month. on down. Not a per year. I'm talking oh, per month here. Per month. Sorry, per month. Per yes, month. We, we need an annuity stream. <laughs> yes. Um, so if we go from screen less to screen full, maybe, yes. no, maybe not. Um, there was an article that came in this week from, uh, uh, it caught my eye because it was about BMWs and about motorcycles yes. and a Apparently at uh, the Motorrad days, which is a nice German-English combination in Berlin, there is something called the Connected Ride Smart Glasses. Very German there. I'll, you know, yeah. smush the words together. And it is an AR-style headset, which we've imagined this kind of thing before in motorcycle helmets. Right. Um, well, they existed. There was a, there was a Kickstarter for the motorcycle yeah, helmet that's version right. of this. That's right. Um, but this is now coming quicker and, and into focus even more. And there's a price point of 690 euros. Um, yeah, they don't, which they is don't know when. Pretty inexpensive. That's not too bad. 10 hours of battery life. That's pretty that's good. That's a pretty good ride. Right. And um, the video associated with this is really quite good from a wayfinding perspective, keeping your eye on speed and uh, knowing what the speed limit is where you are. So not cluttering up your vision too much, but providing you just enough so that you can be the most effective uh, motorcycle driver you might need to be in any particular so, condition. So so I know you've, you've done a little bit more traveling than I have over the last few years. And uh, have you used a rental car lately with a head-up display in it um i have i have because um, i did test drive a car a cadillac about I a think month a, and a half a, ago we had that had a head-up in it yeah I, it was and a I was cadillac. wondering what your experience was I, it was it was not earth shattering um it had the i think it had the speed limit i was not no, no, I was using it for wayfinding, I think, too. And mm-hmm. and uh, it may have had an integration point in with CarPlay from Apple to be able to facilitate that. So it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. I can't believe it. It was pretty much what I expected. Uh, yeah, it, to, to me, I, when I test drove the EQE, it had it. Yeah. Uh, and it very much reminded me of what you saw in the motorcycle helmet. Right. Basic wayfinding, a uh, little bit of what media are you playing, uh, speed limit, and, you know, which is what else do you need? No, not, you don't You're want driving. anything else. You don't need You're that. You're driving. Yeah, exactly. It's not a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't need to be chatting with your friends on Slack exactly. while you're driving. Exactly. Yeah. Or a WebEx. Or on Zoom. Uh, yeah, no. The, 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 this was, it, I think it was pretty good. And and that, yeah. that price point, that's pretty good too. And it's yeah. and it's looks like a pair of sunglasses. So you, you got all the things you're you're looking for. So maybe we're Check. on the verge, right? Maybe we're on the verge uh, of seeing Actually, it wasn't the verge. That was the previous article. This one was something else. <laughs> so so as we're wrapping up, um, we had a, a, a fun Mastodon post here from Bleep Track. Uh, yes. 
and and it's one of those things I think you should experience. So you should go to the show notes and press play because we are yes. an audio podcast. But the the cool thing here was is that the person in this video held up a card, and as you they held up the card, you could then see the sketch of them appear on the card. So obviously done dynamically. Um, there's probably something else to this that I didn't know about, like how this was created, and I suspect well, you that, might. I don't know, but that, that was my question. Is it literally they they took a picture, held up a, a video, and held up a card, and then animated on top of it after the fact? Or is it truly just a stop-motion video? And they did one frame at a time and were very, very careful in the positioning of everything else. Oh, gosh, that can't be stop-motion. That, that it would could. be... It's only eight seconds long, so at 20, 30 frames a second, how many seconds is that? How many frames is that? A couple hundred? No, 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 because the model turned the card at angles. That doesn't, while they can the card still was that. still While the card was still being painted, if you will. No, yeah, just that could be their repositioning of the card each time they take a snapshot in the frames mm-hmm. that they're taking pictures maybe, of. Maybe. I mean... It's. I think it's a fascinating little video, yeah. uh, but it doesn't have to be super high tech. It could truly be a stop motion video. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Today, um, at the office, I was on a tour, and um, the the a marketing three de- hour tour. No, it wasn't. It was shorter than that. But the marketing <laughs> department had has the. Um, you may have seen some of these YouTubes before, where there's a person who's giving a presentation, and they're writing on what is appearing to be a glass screen, and they're writing really, you know, quite fast. And mm-hmm. you, the viewer, can read what they're writing, and you're like, "How are they writing backwards?" And they're from not. from left to right, so or right to left, so quickly. Yeah, yeah, and they're and they're not. They're not because what they do is they let the person write in the correct fashion, left to right, facing them, and they in post flip that screen around. Yeah, which, I know. which is I, super cool. I actually learned that a, a couple of years back, uh, and I can't remember if it was if it was our, our buddy the Rab who who showed me that. Uh, he, he actually showed me the whole setup of how they were doing it. <laughs> and I know Andy's done it too uh, with some API work a couple of years back too. And it, it literally is. They're filming him through a glass board. Yep. And he's writing in this normal direction and then they flip it. <laughs> yep. I, it, super clever stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's what we got for for everyone today. Creativity, cool things, a little bit of art check these things out. We've got a rich set of show notes as we normally do where there's videos and other elements that lovingly handcrafted. Yep. No, no bots used. Uh, we still do all rights reserved. Uh, we should make sure that maybe we update to creative commons so that we have a, have an additional, I think we already have a creative commons attribution on our site. Oh yeah. Well, we should check it just to be sure. Yeah, you, know, you want to want to make sure of that stuff. So, um, if you see something interesting, dear listener, listeners, uh, do drop us a line. Let us know. We'd love to incorporate it into our next games at work, and uh, our next one, I think, will be back to full strength once more. We missed you, Andy, and looking forward to uh, collaborating again on here on gamesatwork.biz. See ya. Bye. Been listening to Games at Work.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. 
You can follow us on Twitter at GamesAtWork underscore biz or at our website at GamesAtWork.biz. Music